This is the Disciple Makers Podcast. The following audio comes from the National Disciple Making Forum by Discipleship.org. The theme was Disciple Maker, and Monty Starks from Life on Life Missional Discipleship hosted a track called How to Pursue and Disciple the Heart Like Jesus. Here's the track session from Life on Life Missional Discipleship. Let's begin this time before we go into drilling down. I want to jump back right to what we just finished. So we're going to have some little Q&A, but before that, specific questions are on the screen. And you can just raise your hand or whatever. What was most significant to you about discipling from the heart? And that could be from yesterday or today. Well, you're a young man. So, and absolutely, because, see, I think our theology is messed up. That's right. We, we have to realize that the Holy Spirit, as is, is Bill Hole said yesterday, uh, he actually uh, quoted Michael Wilkins, which was my doctoral professor in discipleship. He actually said, Jesus is always discipling you, right? 1 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 3 is true. We're being transformed in the image of Christ. Romans 8 is true. We're being conformed in the image of Jesus. Those things are happening, right? So Jesus is working. All we're called to do in community is call out what Jesus is doing. The power of Himself in the Holy Spirit, right? And we dismiss that. So what we try to do, honestly, we, we're trying to simplify this thing. I mean, it, we've got thousands of more good questions We've got different ways to go at. We're just trying to simplify to show you how simple it is to call out what God's already doing and to listen well. So thank you. Yes. A hundred percent. He said he's being transformed just by listening. That the Holy Spirit's working in his heart by truly listening. And what's so amazing of that is, if you're right, he said, if I'm thinking about how I can correct him or fix him or teach him or tell him. I'm not really listening to the Holy Spirit at that time. Sometimes I probably could be. It's hard to maybe, but probably could be. But when you're listening to Him, the Holy Spirit starts touching you on brand new areas you didn't even think about, which He said last time, which is so true. So listening gives it time. So we talked about listening from the person and then listening from God as He's speaking to you about your own heart and how that God might be changing your shifting gears. Awesome. I think there was one over here first. Let's, let's talk about here. It takes the pressure off having to have the answer. Amen! Someone said it. I was waiting for someone to say, yes! All right, we're going to celebrate that one. This is not counseling. You don't have to have a degree for this stuff. Y'all learned it in like an hour. Woo! All right? So yeah, it takes the pressure off. You don't have to have the right answer. And you don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have anything. You could just ask a few questions and then they own it in the choice. If they need, like Ryan said, advice afterward, you can give them thoughts, but you don't even have to do that. So, man, awesome. We'll pay you later, okay? <laughs> ah, okay. Awesome. Um, and, and hold on to those questions. I love to say this. Teaching is kind of what we've done up front. Teaching is me to tell you something about some kind of truth. That's teaching, okay? Coaching 
is asking powerful questions to usually a healthy person that wants to go in a certain direction, and you call them out. We actually have uh, coaching certificates for the ICF, which is the national coaching thing. So that's coaching. Mentoring, in its true definition, mentoring is taking someone somewhere where you have been over a certain topic. I've ridden a bike, I'm going to teach you. I know I taught you finances, whatever. I can mentor someone over just one topic. I'm talking about it in its, in its root definition, okay? Counseling is taking past pains and past wounds and then giving advice to them, to that person, to help them move forward. I'm giving you the first grade definitions, okay, of all this, all right? So you have uh, teaching, coaching, counseling, mentoring. Yeah, we just went blank on one. What is discipling? Oh, thank you. It's all of them. What we're doing here is this just a tool, a part of working out the Holy Spirit. It's probably more closely connected with coaching of anything of these, okay? Uh, there was a, one right back here. Oh, amen. Get it done. Absolutely not. And it, it takes practice and, and help in order to even start to think about how to do it well. Yeah. It's not natural because it's not been normal Christian community. The normal Christian community has been, I'm going to tell you something that's true and good, and I'm going to get that knowledge in you, and then I want you to go believe it and apply it. Okay, first of all, believing it, a lot easier applying it, would you show me, rather than just tell me? Because we have a whole training on what it means to model for people. And, and not even about the heart, but just live it out. Uh, p- people don't disciple by just being told something. By the way, did Jesus give more red letters truth or more black letters modeling? What do we, what do, we do in the church? Where do we spend most of our time? Isn't that amazing? Go look at how Jesus walked, how he touched, how he sat next to people, what he did with this man in between those great truth times. Yeah. All right, one more, and then we're going to jump to uh, Q&A. Just, how did it impact you? Um, I think it, so this really helps. And, and I would 100% agree with you. And that's why, and you know, when we were in Belfast and Bangor and so on, and, and he's from the UK, by the way, um, for them, for this one guy to go, this won't work in our culture. I was like, oh, that's right. You guys aren't creating the image of God. <laughs> and so uh, I knew the guy well. We were joking with each other. And then another guy goes, no, I think this is exactly what we need in the church in the history. And you know more of that than all of us do. So thank you. Very relational. Okay. Um, before uh, uh, Ryan's about to uh, help us how to drill down, we're going to model. And then you're going, we're going to set you up to engage again. Okay. And so you can learn more, okay? So Q&A real quick, and Ryan can step in here too. Just questions about, you know, when do you do this? How do you do this? What, just anything that's on your heart. We want to give, yeah. Okay, great. So how do you launch? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, hello. Um, actually, I'm not supposed to get that close. I remember that. So the question was... Excuse me, sorry. Um, whoever you are. I know Chad's listening, so Chad. Um, he, he said, how do you use this in a normal discipleship group? 
uh, how do you launch this? How do you start this? And, and kind of reading between the lines on his question is, when and where do you use this in a normal setting and not having to use movie clips to set it up? Well, here's what's so great about it. We're just setting it up to make it easier for you all to engage over something. We have actually an operating system that we teach that it's actually, many of you all know in this room, that we teach an operating system of teams, T-E-A-M-S. Operating system is truth, T, that you, it's founded on the Word of God. E is equipping, taking the truth and making it understandable and usable. In other words, massaging your heart. A is accountability, grace-centered accountability. If you come to the next session, we're going to talk about how to not create a little legalist running around. That is all about God's grace. M is mission. How do you be missional and living in word and deed? And then S is supplication. The reason we didn't put P because team is stupid. Team sounds really cool. <laughs> We're smart people, I'm telling you. That's amazing. So, in that operating system, I can take any topic and drop it down in there. What's the truth about walking the Spirit? What's the truth about finance? What's the truth about sex? What's the truth about whatever it is, right? Well, in that operating system of walking life with people, when can I drop this in? Pursuing the heart. Anytime. So, what stirs the heart in a normal discipleship group when Ryan was in mine, now he's leading his, and he's led one for years? I don't even have to create that. He's sitting there going, man, I so long to love my neighbors. Bam! He comes up, man, I'm really struggling with this truth and how to apply it in my marriage. Bam! I mean, it's so easy because life sets all that up. We're going to actually use, if we have time, we can use a passage at... Um, Actually, we are at the next section. We're going to actually give you a passage how to engage over the Word. So as you're studying the Word, you can see how to do this, how it brings things out. So it's super easy to do in almost any context. I'll tell you, there's sometimes I'll just throw out a feeler question and see. So I may be sensing, I think there's something underneath what they just said. And so they shared something. I go, how, how are you feeling about that? You know, it's not this, I just launched into this, you know, track that I'm stuck on for the next 45 minutes, I just have how are you feeling about that? I'm feeling pretty good. Okay, well, we, I might just move on. You might say, man, this, this is a hard thing for me. Well, so what do I say now? Tell me more. Tell me more. That's the one. <laughs> say more about that. So, I don't know when it's going to happen. It, it may happen twice in a group. It may not. It may be a long engaging with one person, or it may be a short one with everybody. You know, there's... There's no confines necessarily on this. And this is why, again, pastors and church leaders make a horrible discipleship group leaders because they just want to say, hey, listen to my great teaching. <laughs> right? Do you know anybody yeah, well, who does that? I don't know anybody who does that. I don't know anybody that. who does that. <laughs> so, uh, one more question, and then we're going to... We're gonna... <laughs> Do we want to talk about this? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we'll come back here too. So how, how do I become authentic in asking my questions or how to become authentic in answering? How do you um, not appear to be like, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about this? Okay, so the asking, the one asking. Okay. okay, first of all, if people go, hey, I really don't want to talk about it now, I don't talk about it. I trust God and the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like we, we take an approach in evangelism. Hey, let me talk to you about Christ or spiritual. You know, Tell me about your background. And they're like, yeah, yeah, sure. So we kind of walk, and if they're walking to me, I'm walking toward them, kind of, um, uh, you know, uh, metaphorically. 
But if this person starts saying, I don't want to talk about this more. I don't want to have anything to do with this. I said, no, you have to share the gospel now because you all have to go. No, I'm going to trust the Lord and build a relationship with him, okay? It's okay. You know, it's okay. God's bigger than me. I, right? I cannot tell you how many times I've been in a group setting and, and asked somebody, you know, can I ask you a few questions? I said, I don't feel comfortable right now. That's okay. We have lunch a week later. Boom. Yeah. They didn't feel safe in the group yet, but they felt safe with me. Yeah. Or maybe somebody else in the group follows up. So, so it, we don't have to force it, and I think we shouldn't force it. That's right. Yeah. But to be able to not being, come across as critical, analytical, and ask these questions, I know this is going to sound crazy. But first of all, just act like you love them. Mm. No, I'm just playing with you. <laughs> And, and, and when we truly ask a question and that person really believes I really want to know the answer to, it changes everything. So I have to deal with my own heart first to say just what Ryan just said. I'm not trying to find an information. I'm trying to love someone. That's a whole different ballgame. Before, it's like I'm trying to you know, dissect him. That would be more like a counselor. And they paid for that. And they got degrees. That's great. And by the way, if there are issues that are brought up in the discipleship groups because you're engaging hearts, which will happen, and you believe they need professional help, go get professional help. We tell our leaders all the time, but you want to help your pastoral care ministry in your church? Do this. Because you'll have so many things that are taken care of in your discipleship group that will never get to that extreme because people will feel loved. You want to radically help your church? Do this. So that makes... Okay, good. Okay, so why don't we do... Well, one other question, yeah. I love your question. Uh, we theologically have a very interesting oh, yeah, yeah, answer. Yeah, yeah. About, um, but I'm not sure we can go into that. You want to give a... I'll give a short thing, but if you want to jump in first, right? Yeah. Um, forgiveness always takes on a debt. If somebody's hurt yes. you yes. to move into forgiveness, you've... You've got to take on the hurt and keep moving forward. Um, your vulnerability and repentance leading, I think, is a very, very healthy way. But it does not guarantee that they're going to reciprocate. And so you've got to be ready in vulnerability to be stepped on, which is hard. Um, so that's my first quick answer. And I would say, what is that? That's Jesus. That's what he's done for us. And he was willing to be bruised and battered that we might be reconciled and redeemed. And so when we have to step out and get slapped again on a relationship we've already, it's already been broken, but to vulnerably do that in love and humility with a repentant, broken heart, and I wish we could have time to talk all about what true repentance is, and we do that, then we're living the gospel. We're actually living in Matthew when it says to leave the altar of worship and be go reconciled. God said, leave worshiping me to get reconciled. Wow! Communities, that's important. So I get counsel of how to do that and when to do that. We know why we should. So get counsel about all that. And if they're stiff arm, hey, you've done your job and you trust and continue to pray for them. But you've taken that step in faith. And so that's why we always take that step in faith. And how they respond, I can't control that. So amen on that one. Okay? So Ryan's going to take us right now. We'll have more time with Q&A at the end. Ryan's going to take us right now of just how to drill down a little bit deeper into the desires. We're going to model and then y'all going to engage one another. So uh, 
if you've been here through all the sessions, you've, you've seen us lay a foundation biblically for this, uh, reflecting the image of God by, by engaging the whole heart. Then we gave some really, really simple questions, four questions to ask that can help us get there. And then the last one I kind of broadened. We've got those four aspects of the heart. Here's some other ways you can ask those questions. Here are ways you can ask follow-up questions to get around each of those four aspects. So when we practice this next time, we're going to take the train wheels off a little bit. Give you a little more freedom asking more than just those four questions. It's okay if you just do those four. Uh, but you can start asking questions. Say more about that. Uh, you mentioned this emotion and this emotion. Which one of those is most significant to you right now? And then you can follow that trail. So all of that said, I want to give you one more thing that if you don't practice any of those other things we did last session, practice this one. At least try it. It's drilling down to that desire level. Yesterday I talked about desires uh, can be perverted. They can be distorted. They can be in the wrong priority. God has given us desires. The evil one can distort those desires. I talked about a desire for intimacy that is God-given, that is made for the human race to even continue. Yet it's so perverted and distorted so often. People have a desire to be known, to be fully exposed and fully loved. Yet that is so distorted right now for so many people. I want to get not just to the desire that's a perverted desire, but I want to get to the root of that desire. What's the real desire that God gives you? And what are the lies that you've believed that's perverted that? So I want to get down to the core of that desire. So sometimes people may say a desire when you ask that question, and maybe if their real desire is here, they're saying something around here. It may be a good thing. Might ask another question, they may get down here, but I want to get to the base level. What is that heart desire that God has given them that they're really longing for in this situation? So, the simple question to get there, if you've seen us model, we've actually done it every single time, but we're going to do it again for you. We've asked the question, if you had this, what would that give you? If you had this, what would that do for you? I may ask that question five or six times in a row. How do I know when I've hit that base level? They're probably going to be a little repetitive. They might come back to that same desire again. How many times do I ask it? I don't know. Trust the Lord and listen well. What would that give you or what would that do for you? All right, I just added those two very simple questions. When you engage in this next one, I want you to try to explore some of these extra questions. Still still start with that structure, thinking, feeling, desires. And at the desire level, start asking some more questions to drill down deeper and learn what that desire really is at the base level. And then we can move to choices because the choices have to spring out of the desires, not necessarily the feelings. They may line up, they may not. Not necessarily out of the thoughts. When we get to the desires, the initial choice somebody had may be a little different. So, we're going to model real quick for you what that could look like. And Monty, Am I? Who, do you want to? You can ask me. I've got one. I'll ask you. All right. <clears throat> so, see you guys later. <laughs> so, I asked you yesterday how you're doing. So, how you doing today? <laughs> a little more tired. My voice is a little less, but, but I'm good. This is exciting. 
I'm doing great. Me, <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, no, just you were going to share a little bit more about your heart. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when we were doing one of these a few weeks ago, you did this with me, and I said I was going to paint the cabinets in my house, and so I am 98% done painting the cabinets for the house. And uh, part of that was was helping... Helping. I, I, I tried to build an island in the kitchen and finished. I put it in and then we left town. And I got a text message this morning from my wife and she had my daughter in a little seat on top of the island and her coffee and a stool. And that was something that she had just, she had told me that she just wanted a place to sit and rest with a cup of coffee and her daughter in the kitchen. And seeing that picture was like, oh, she's got that now. It was so exciting for me. How'd that make you feel? Man, I felt I felt a lot of joy when I saw that text this morning. Just like, I gave my wife something she'd been longing for. It's not like this deep soul thing. It's just something for her house that, that just gave her that joy. You mentioned joy, feelings, any other feelings you yeah. have? Um, <coughs> happiness, um, excitement. Yeah. As you think about that joy and that happiness and excitement, what desires would touch in you? Yeah. Um, one is just to love my wife in tangible ways. I know that, that speaks a lot to her. Um, on, on another, maybe a whole other track, it's just to, to do something well. Like to, to try to build an island and it's not doesn't look like I'm six when I'm done. <laughs> it, it works. And that was really exciting for me too. Well, Ryan, I heard you say that just to do something well and also to love your wife in tangible ways. Yeah. If you're able to do that well and love her in tangible ways, what would that give you? And um, kind of a like a, a, an affirmation from the Lord that I'm doing what he's called me to. Like, I'm, at one of the most core things in my life is to love my wife. And, <coughs> and so, feeling like I'm doing what God's called me to and enjoying that. Mm-hmm. And as you're living in that enjoyment mm-hmm. of doing what God's called you to do and that affirmation from him, mm-hmm. what does that give you? Um, in in that area of my life, and that's you know past few weeks that I'm I'm being a faithful man of God in my home. Yeah. And as you're being a faithful man of God in your home, what does that do for you? Yeah. A lot of joy and excitement, um, a real sense that I'm I'm loving my wife well. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. As you think about that joy and excitement of loving her well, what choices would you like to make as you're going to see her yeah. the next few days and go back to the home? Yeah, yeah. Still a few finishing touches, and I don't want the stress of the work to <laughs> lash out at her. So I want to be patient and loving and let her enjoy that. But also, I just want to be faithful to do things for her. I know she hears my words a lot, but I want her to see... Um, me loving her through my actions. Yeah. When I think about what you've done with the cabinets and the island, that's, that's amazing. 
Um, are there other things on your heart now that you said, I want to do these things for her in her home or just do things for her? Are there other choices you want to make? Yeah, the dishes. <laughs> I would think that, like, the difference between her coming home with dishes in the sink and dishes, like, put in the dishwasher is tangible and real. Um, and one big project is one big project, and I'm not going to do that again for a while. So I, the, consi- the little consistent things I want to pay more attention to. Is it okay if I share with you from my heart? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first of all, for you to say, I want to love her in tangible ways, inspires me. Because it's not this fantasy land that you practically want to love her in ways that she feels love, she experiences love, she, she grasps love coming from you. And so it just inspires me to just kind of slow down a little bit and say, how can I love my wife, my children, others in tangible ways where they feel loved? Mm-hmm. So that gives me great hope, mm-hmm. but just that inspiration, that energy, that motivation. Mm-hmm. And so thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, as you're saying those things, it's, <laughs> it's something I want to do, but I know it's a struggle. Um, but saying it out loud and hearing you encourage me kind of puts the um, weight on mm-hmm in a really helpful way. So, thank you. You know, and I'm thinking about that, Ryan, before we, uh, just the last word is, uh, uh, we talked about it Second Corinthians a minute ago, from yeah. glory to glory, and that word weight means glory, and that you want yeah. to experience that glory with her. So, yeah. that's awesome, brother. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, man. Right. So, before we set you up, we turned our big discipleship group. How did you experience that? Don't tell me the questions. Don't look at me. How did he impact you sharing his heart? And look at him and tell him how he impacted you. Don't give him counsel, how to love her, and what to do next. How did he impact you as you heard from his heart? Yeah. Um, I was just talking to my brother, Harold, about that this morning, that same issue. That how when I get home from work, I kind of get been lazy around the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's really been taking a toll on my wife. And I struggle with a great deal like you do. I mean, you know, I'm a home improvement guy. The last thing I want to do is come home and fix the house. <laughs> but it really it's inspired me, especially after I was talking to him about the same thing, my struggle this morning with, with her. And, and I see how I put those dishes away in the dishwasher when she comes home because she works on her feet for 12 hours a day most of the time. And, it's not fair for her to be doing all the laundry and doing everything, and it's almost like she's sign, raising another kid. But she didn't really sign up to do that. So I'm trying to like really be intentional. On like last week, I did a couple loads of laundry. You know, yeah. My wife and I, we only been a year, or so it's kind of hard to. I'm still adjusting to all that. But you really encouraging me to get home because I really want to get home now. <laughs> and, you don't want to miss your last Pressure wash your house. Maybe pressure wash your house, do some dishes, <laughs> cook some dinner or something. Glad. Great. Thank you. So, appreciate it.
I think it was the Holy Spirit over there. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I thought I saw him. Yes. Okay, I'm going to set this thing up and we'll go. Okay, so um, you can engage anybody. It doesn't matter. You can stay in this room. You can go out in the hallway. Um, we're going to watch. Um, if you can go, it's, it's toward the end. You know that. Um, and it's blacked out screen. Um, and so we're going to watch this one more clip, and you're going to engage each other over um, how God could use you. So this clip is 13 and a half minutes long. Uh, we've got some popcorn coming in in a second. Um, and you're going to engage each other, and we're going to have the questions up there, and we're also going to remind you just what would that give you, what would that do for you, what would that give you. So all I did was take his, his words... So he felt loved and heard and said, well, if you had blank, what would that give you? And it really got down to a great affirmation from the Lord. Did you hear that? That was awesome. So um, we're going we're gonna to jump into that. You got it? All right, so I'm going to set up the clip. Um, this is my favorite movie of all time. I told yesterday that I watched in the movie theater with a friend of mine. At the end, it's scrolling, which you're going to see the end of the clip. It's scrolling, and I am bawling uncontrollably, and he's just putting his hand on my back, and we're there for 20 minutes. I went home that night. My wife and I have been married a little over a year, year and a half. I said, if you want to know your husband's heart, come with me tomorrow night. We're going to watch this movie. Went back to the movie theater. I knew it was coming, right? I'm losing it, bawling uncontrollably for over 20 minutes. Again, the ladies came in. They're cleaning up the movie theater. Please get out, sir. We, ha I'm, we, have, to, you know, we have to clean it. Next people are coming in. And, and so finally she was like, wow, that is beautiful to understand your heart. Some of you might guess at what it is when you see it, but uh, it's not exactly what you might think it would be. Um, so this movie is called Mr. Holland's Opus. Um, and so how many people have not seen... Let's pray for them, bring them up, and lay hands on them. So, Mr. Holland's Opus. It's Richard Dreyfus. I think it was 1995. And basically, let me set it up, and we're going to push play. And then you're going to engage one another. So, uh, he, Mr. Uh, Richard Dreyfus, he's a musician. He's been writing this symphony for years. And he wants to be this great conductor, you know, over the symphony that he wrote, and this, you know, great you know, just conductor and so on. Well, no one's paying him for just writing something, so he has to get a job. So he gets a job as a musician, a music teacher at a public high school. He gets married and he has a son. And the son, at a young age, they figure out that his son's deaf. And he's like, of all things, a musician to have a child is deaf. So he, he hates God, hates people and stuff like that for a while. And he doesn't even learn sign language, but he learns sign language later. He has this really reconciliation, redemption back with his son, and it's really cool and so on. And then at the end of this movie, he finds out that the education board in that county is cutting two departments. And you'll see him hug this girl, this lady with glasses who leads the arts department. And they're also cutting the music department and the whole uh, education board in there in that county. So basically, he's not going to be of a teacher anymore, and he's just finished his 30th year. So at the beginning of the scene, you're actually seeing his wife read a letter about his son who get offered a job at a deaf college to teach. And then you're going to see him cleaning out his office 
after 30 years. So watch this. Engage your own heart and find out what's happening because it is... Yeah, I'm going to freaking lose it again. I've seen it about 100 times. All right, so i got to get somewhere.
Want to engage? That'll be great, but we have to make sure we shut this thing down at 11. You're more than welcome to engage. There's no law on that. Um, you can continue. We, I think it's at 12:30 is the next session. Okay, and here we're going to do what? 12:30. Yes, lunch is on us. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, I wish we had time for Q&A, and we'll be up here. You can definitely ask us. You can still engage one another. I know this is a very challenging and loving thing, and you should, and carry on the conversations, even if it's somebody you just met. Amen? Uh, we have time for maybe one or two questions or one or two thoughts. Um, for every one time I engage a person on this, I engage my own heart five times. And the reason why is because I'm not talking about every all the time, you know. And, and I, I, stuff hit me in a meeting. Stuff hits me at church. Stuff hits me whatever. And I'm like, with extreme anger or extreme joy, whatever it is, right? I'm like, okay, what's going on here? Am I, am I am believing the perverter? And, and knowing that my heart... And there, again, we have to be careful theologically how we do that Jeremiah passage and looking at the uh, lostness of the Israelites. But we're filled in the power of the Spirit, talking about that Romans 7. But we still believe the lies of the evil one, right? So I've got to go, okay, I've got to deal with that. But also, what is being touched at the Holy Spirit? So yes, without a doubt, I actually deal with this more with my own heart than I deal with other people's hearts because it's mine. I'm living with it. You know, I'm listening to something, I see something, I experience something, or I just start beating myself up over my uh, lack of faith or disobedience. And I'm like, hold on a second, that's from the evil one. I have the full righteousness of Christ. I've been covered in Christ's blood. Gee, God sees me as he sees his son, Jesus. So I need to live in that gospel. So what am I distorting his beautiful desire? Or what is really being touched there and I need to live out of? So absolutely, brother, I love that you brought that up. Again, I wish we had more hours and hours to discuss this, but absolutely, deal with your own heart. It's a beautiful way to understand how you're created, guys. So you've got uh, guys and girls or whatever in your discipleship group, so when, when something comes up, they know pretty much they're going to get these four questions. <laughs> um, you know, we get, get better at it, and like uh, Ryan said, you could, you could tweak them, but absolutely, but here, here's the thing. For those people here for the first time, don't go practice on your spouse if they're not here. Please don't. I'm telling you, we've had I've had major counseling come to me and go. I had a woman come to me. I said, I've "Been married for him for 22 years. I've been asking for him to share his heart, and now he's doing it. I'm, I hate him for it. I hate him because I have 22 years of wound. I got 22 years of anger. I got 20 years of frustration. So don't just go start dumping. Okay." Get practice on yourself and practice on your friends first. But uh, your discipleship group is you teach them, you walk through with them, you experience this with them. But I, what we do is we do this the first month or two of new guys in our group, and they're in. And so just to live that out and to do that, and you'll be so shocked how they'll start just living it and not even thinking about it. But if my kids or my spouse... No, and a discipleship group. So tell me a little bit more about that. And they're like, oh, here it comes. <laughs> you still have to answer the question. Yeah. And you know what? They, they want to share their heart. Yeah. They don't want to go, I don't want to be heard. 
Yeah. <laughs> now, at that moment, like, right, so people might, I'm not ready right now. Well, that's fine. I never press. So, man, yes, absolutely. They know it's coming. And they want it, by the way. Mm. And, and feel free if you got to go, because I know the time was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so try to come from the desire to that choice. So you might connect those like we did here. So you're saying that you want to honor the Lord in blank. What would that look like in a choice over the next week or month or whatever to honor Him in that way? Yeah. So bring that back. Bring back so when you dig down deeper, if they're filled with the Spirit, if you dig down deeper there's going to be connection with I hear well done Mm. I hear man I I get to I get to obey him and love him I get to honor him you're going to hear something of that right Well, uh, connect a choice to that knowing that you want to honor him what would that look like but he might say to build an island in the kitchen guess what whether we eat or drink do it all for the glory of God so that was a very glorifying God thing so that's great that you connect those Awesome question. Yeah. Man, so we did this long training, and these are all the things we address, so we never get to address these things that are always asked like that. So here's my discipleship. Oh, repeat the question. Thank you. Um, what in a group, when you start doing this, and other people, in a sense, will don't understand, they'll interrupt, or they'll start teaching at somebody or telling somebody, and this happens all the time. So that's the question. What we do at the beginning when we're first teaching, so let's say this is my discipleship group right there, and I start engaging this person, and I haven't taught them everything yet, or taught them none or a little bit. I will say, as I'm engaging this person, I want you guys just to listen. Because I know what you're going to do. You're going to start telling him what to do. Don't do that. Just listen for a second. So I literally set it up that way. And it's my discipleship group, so we're loving each other and we're encouraging, we're walking through life, so I'll engage, and then I'll turn and ask them the million-dollar question that we ask you guys over and over. How'd you experience that? How'd you, how did that impact you? And if they started my discipleship group going, well, your choice was good, but what you really should do, and I go, no, 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 and I literally would interrupt them. Don't! Because I love them. And I want, I'm not shutting them down, but I love them. In a group like this, there was twice that Ryan and I almost shut two people in the room down because they were starting to teach and tell. And I'm like, you know, we were like, <laughs> just, you know. So, in your subject group, you can do that. You can just help them learn and grow. That way. So, this happened like four weeks ago in my group. Somebody shared something really significant. And I just, I said, can we time out real quick? Before anybody says anything, he just laid something really important down. How do we deal with that? And so it wasn't like I was teaching them this whole thing. The moment happened, and I just said, okay, Lord, I think we've got to take this moment and say, what do we do when somebody puts something significant in front of us? And so I started explaining some of this in that moment. But there are plenty of other times where somebody will, will start talking. I'll say, time out real quick. We haven't talked about this yet, but there's something really valuable about listening before we give our opinion. So let's listen for a second. You know, it just, just kind of soft ways to get them used to it. And then that's a cue to me, like, okay, I've got to bring up this <coughs> conversation now. That's a great question, though. 
Again, I bring it up first month or two with new guys in my group, whether they're all new or, I, you know, one's multiplied out, I've added one or whatever it may be. That's up to God's, you know, sovereignty. But I bring them in very first semester, first month or two, so they can start living it out. And it just, and they'll, I'll just say, walk through the questions. And I'll get them to do it with one another um, as part of, again, this is a tool as in discipleship. It actually is a big tool. It's not the only tool. We teach all kind of other stuff. Uh, one of the best tools we teach is how do you live a life of repentance? And we give a tool to how do you literally daily do that? Because we need to, uh, you know, anybody know the first thesis that Martin Luther of the 95 nailed what number one was? Oh, come on, people. You know, there was a big reformation. (laughs) Number one of the 95 in paraphrased, the the Christian life is one of repentance. Y'all got to know how to live a life of repentance, not just for salvation, but for sanctification and what that looks like. And we have a whole teaching on that. So we we actually, I got to shut up now. I'm just curious real quick, Dave. Yeah, uh, fantastic question. I've got people coming for Thanksgiving that are non-Christians in my family, and I do this all the time. They have no idea. But just, you know, just spread it out or be careful of how you say it, but just, hey, how's work going? Man, that's great. Man, I'm really struggling with my next-door neighbors or my marriage or whatever. So, man, how does that make you feel? They actually feel very honored. They don't know what I'm doing, but they feel very honored. Um, be very, don't, if they don't want to answer, don't push. You know, again, move this, this toward and this away thing. But absolutely is a great way to, to, for them to feel loved. This great is, question. This is a tool to help us listen. And we, if somebody feels listened to, they feel loved. So absolutely. Okay, yes. I have a question on uh, this. All, this really, I'm kind of analytical. This has been very helpful to me. My, when I get down to that, what choices do you want to make? I have a little concern right there. And y'all did very well, but I was wondering if Ryan gave you a yeah. response, like, for example, the evangelism one. There, yeah. He said, you, you know, I can't get in the doors, but if I if I attached a platform to my band right. and I spoke to it loud enough that right. it would go louder than the TV, would get into their homes yeah. and they would hear the Word of God. I think, that, I think that's what God wants to do. Right. And he actually did that last year. And that's why he had that. <laughs> uh, no. But let me even go back even farther. If a person tells you, you know what my deep longing is? It's to make the most money I can so I can be famous. All right. What do you do with that? Well, at that moment is, I'm glad they shared it. Like, don't start poo-pooing on just because they shared their heart and it's something that you now can know their heart. We're talking about a child over here. And I love my children because they'll just say anything, right? Well, I'm not looking for the correct theological answer. This is different about pursuing it. What if Jesus got every theological answer correct? Think about that. He got the worst answers, and especially from his own men. So you will get bad answers. You will get sinful answers. You will get all kind of stuff. That is when after word, you could step in. There's two ways to do that. Again, you pursue their heart. If they actually say stuff that sin, point them to the cross and hopefully point them to repentance. You can't make them, but say, hey, listen, what do you think the Lord thinks about that? And if they go, well, I'm not quite sure, then you can show them some scripture of sin. Or, well, probably that's probably not right. Therefore, what are your choices are going to be now that it's not right? Okay? If they tell you something that you think is absolutely 
not good, <laughs> with the bullhorn or whatever it may be, you would say, okay, let me ask you a few questions about that. How do you think that would impact your neighbors as far as relation to going farther? The Word of God is living and active. Yeah, and out of a bullhorn. Yeah. Exactly. And, I, and then I would probably afterwards say, hey, my, my, that might not be the wisest thing to do. And I would give them examples why. I might show them examples why. But that is after Again, so yes, if their choices are ridiculous or crazy or whatever, I'm going to love them. I'm going to encourage them. But I'm not going to tell them beforehand right. what they should do. At and this some is, point, though, you come to that situation yeah. where you have to deal in, in, in truth. Truth and reality. And, absolutely. And again, this is a tool for discipleship. This isn't the entire discipleship yeah. model, right? So we're in the context of truth. And so there are times when, you know, I'm, I'm going to take this coaching hat off and move into this teacher hat. You know, the, like there needs to be truth given. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not just that I am just, co- if they pass the theological exam that's never coming at the end, then I've succeeded. No, 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 no. I want to hear their hearts and get the truth real. But th- just because we're emphasizing this for a day doesn't mean this is the only thing by any means. So it's definitely in the context of truth, making people more like Jesus not just whatever they want to be. So, In our training of our two and a half years, this is about um, eight or nine months into it. We've laid down, we actually talked where discipleship started before Genesis. Y'all can think about that for a second. And it's true. So we, we laid this whole foundation and we really come back to Christ, we look at Paul, and I believe Paul uh, discipled anywhere from 14 to 15 men in the scriptures. And we can talk about that. But we lay a whole biblical foundation down. This is on top of so much of that. But this is just our, you know, our, our thing for this, our, our, our seminar skit thing that we're doing. Yeah. Okay, uh, Lord Jesus, thank you for this food and thank you for fellowship. And I pray that as we heard people today, that we would continue to engage well, listen well. Father, thank you for listening to us. We bring our crap to you. We bring our pain, our joy, our thankfulness. Oh, thank you for engaging our hearts and not ever stopping. You will never leave us, forsake us. We have been your sons and daughters forever. You have called us out of darkness into your wonderful light. And we're so thankful for that. So, Father, help us continue these conversations even for the next 15 or 20 minutes and, and love well. We pray in Jesus' name. You've been listening to the Disciple Makers Podcast. That message was from Life on Life Missional Discipleships track called How to Pursue and Disciple the Heart Like Jesus from the National Disciple Making Forum. You'll find dozens of other great discipleship resources like this podcast at discipleship.org. May the Lord bless you as you seek to grow as a disciple maker.